The text for the sermon is the last verse of Psalm 124. It's very, it is very familiar to us because that's what we say in the beginning of the worship service every Sunday. It says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Jesus Christ, as I mentioned just before, our worship service begins with, the, with this beautiful confession. After we just read from Psalm 124, you may have noticed that we use the last verse of Psalm 124 as our confession. It is such a wonderful confession. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Actually, the Psalm 124 was a song that the Jewish worshipers sang on the way to the temple. And imagine that you are one of the a crowd coming to the temple singing this song as they made their way to the worship service. The Jews were reminded of how faithful God was throughout the history of Israel. Of course, God certainly is a mighty faithful, and he deserves all the praise. Thousands of years later, after he chose Abraham, and after he freed the people from the slavery, we also continue with this beautiful tradition of confessing our faith through Psalm 124. However, this confession of faith should not only be a practice during the worship service or only on Sunday, but it should, be, it should be practiced on each every day. God deserves our praise in our da- daily life. When you get up, when you brush your teeth, when you cook a meal, or when you even are milking, all the time you ha- we have to confess that who He is and He is the Lord and He is the creator of everything. But in our daily lives, we see ourselves easily distracted by so many things. Technology has developed rapidly and changed our life radically day by day. Technology has made life very comfortable and so easy, and everything becomes so useful, yet we quickly become dependent on those things. And let me give you an example. One of them is our, let's say, iPhone or cell phones. They have become so common that it is considered a strange when someone doesn't have one. And we see many young people, they have cell phones in their hands all the time. And some people even feel insecure without their phones. As I mentioned this morning, some young people, when their cell phones are taken away, they become not happy and even aggravated. Sometimes it almost almost seems like they are confessing Psalm 124 to cell phones if our cell phones with Google had not been on our side. Well, cell phone is just one of the good examples. There are so many things they can potentially take our attention from God. 
TVs, movies, games, entertainments, sports, even our works. Sometimes I ask myself a question when I come to Sunday, to the Sunday worship service. I ask myself, is my heart really ready to sing Psalm 124 and confess that the Lord is my Savior? Or is my heart obsessed or even distracted with other things such as my iPhone? There must be good reason why we confess our faith to be the Lord and not in other things. And here I preach Psalm 124 with the following theme and points. The theme is our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So we're going to look at first our vulnerability and second our help from the Almighty Father. So the first point, our vulnerability. This Psalm, Psalm 124, starts with a question. It's a hypothetical question. What if? What if it had not been the Lord who was on our side? The question is repeated in verse 2. Verse 2, the question becomes more specific. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, well, there are similar questions that we can ask every day. For instance, what if there was a snowstorm while I was driving to Owen Sound for the first time in February? Then I would have I probably had a difficult time coming here. What if the Lord had not blessed us with the campfire this summer? Then all the kids probably were pretty disappointed. The author, King David, is asking that what if question to remind the people of God, of God's grace. David is asking a very important what if question. It was not like a something, a trivial question such as what if my cat refused to eat breakfast this morning? No, he's asking a very serious question, something that is very fundamental to our lives. What if the Lord has not been on our side? Throughout the history, God's people had been always vulnerable to many, many things. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, they were exposed to Satan's temptation. After the Exodus, when the Israel, people of Israel came to the promised land, there were so many temptations they, that were brought by, brought by surrounding nations. When you Look at the map, actually, the ancient Israel. The promised land was located in the, right in the middle between two major civilizations. One, in the south, Israel faced Egypt, one of the most powerful nations at the time. In the north, Israel faced a strong nations who used to rule the world. Israel was right on the middle of the major trading routes and highways between the countries of the north and south. So Israel was very vulnerable to the influence to the, those nations. Whenever there were military campaigns, either by northern empires or by Egypt, Israel was caught in the middle. There was a, a feeling of constant threat. threat. And mighty empires such as Egypt, Hittites, Babylon, 
Persia, Greece, and Roman empires. They plundered Israel's territory without mercy. And because, because of their close proximity, the people of Israel were extremely vulnerable to those foreign military force. They were exposed not only to foreign military force, but they were also exposed to foreign cultures. Those countries, they served a false gods. They brought up more temptation to the people of God. And often, people of Israel turned away from God, and they went after these foreign gods. In verse 3, it gives the answer to the question, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. This, this expression not only describes the callousness or cruelty of the enemy, but also the fragility of the Israelites. When we say an, an army swallowed their enemies alive, then that means there is imbalance of power between two nations. It means one party totally overwhelmed the other, the other party in power. We don't use an expression like swallowed up, for instance, when there is a, a close game between, let's say, Toronto Maple Leafs and Red Wings. We say Toronto Maple Leafs swallowed or decimated Detroit Red Wings only when Maple Leafs won five to nothing. The people of Israel was not able to defend themselves from those overwhelming powers. There were times when Israel did not even have a weapons to fight back. For instance, we read in 1 Samuel 13, verse 19, there was times that Israel were being oppressed by Philistines. Now no blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, otherwise the Hebrews will make sword and spears. In verse 4, 4 of Psalm 124, it continues with a very graphic metaphor. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. In verse 4, it compares the enemy to a destructive flood that sweeps over everything, destroying, destroying anything in its path. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then the verse 5 says, the swollen water would have gone over our soul. All these images are speaking of two things. First, it's speaking about the overwhelming destructive power of the enemy. Second, it's also speaking about how vulnerable the people of Israel were. We also find ourselves very vulnerable to many things. We often like to think that we are very strong and capable of standing up against temptations. But we are actually weaker than we think. The overwhelming power of sin is constantly charging at us, trying to throw 
us off, of course. If you think about it, temptations are everywhere. Just like Israel was exposed to ungodly influence of the surrounding nations, we also are exposed to many temptations of the world. For instance, television. It is full of content that glorifies a sinful lifestyle. Television promotes wrong ideas to our covenant children. Movies and TV dramas always emphasize each person being captain of their own life. Movies, they romanticize a man who's solving everything by himself without any help from God. Movies and TV shows even ask us to go against God's commandment. They say it's okay to live as homosexual. After all, people are born in that way. TV shows and movies push this lifestyle as being normal. And they ask us to embrace them as being something to be celebrated. Much of the music that we listen to love to talk about money and sex. Those lyrics are so easy to follow and the melodies are so catchy that they all function like a snare. It catches you easily. We and, we and our children are so vulnerable when we are exposed to those kind of music. And let me just read to you as an example. Let me just read to you a song that used to be a very popular among young people about five or six years ago. The song says something like, it doesn't matter if you believe in him or capital H-I-M. Basically, it says, it doesn't matter who you believe. And the song says, my mama told me that when I was young, we are all born to be superstars. I was born this way. A different lover is not a sin. No matter gay, straight, bi, lesbian, transgendered life, I'm on the right track. I am born to survive. What do you think about these lyrics? Would you recommend this kind of song to your children? Maybe you have no clue what this, what this song is, and perhaps you ever heard this song and started humbling, humming it in your head. Can you see, beloved ones, how easily we are drawn by these songs? Can you see how our children are invited to go against our God? It doesn't matter if you believe in Him or capital Him. Many songs have lyrics that we often try to justify, justify as being fine. For instance, this particular song has a line, something like, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. Wow. Well, it is true that the Lord does everything perfectly. He doesn't make mistakes. But this song skips over our sinful nature and God's justice. This particular song, uh, it's, it's like they like to make a quick decision and then, and then they like to make you think that everything you do without God is just a fine. 
The scripture is very precise on this point. The author of the psalm used the image as a fowler's snare in verse 7 to describe how quickly and easily sin entraps us. Many people these days struggle with addiction of various kinds. Being a Christian, we may be quick to judge others when we see someone has an addiction problem. We ask a question, why, why can't people just fight against and get out of their addiction problem? And again, we ought to be careful not to judge others so quickly. Why? Because we all are addicted to sin. The power of addiction is overwhelming and extremely destructive, and so is the power of sin. It's like the falling into quicksand. The more you move, the deeper you fall into. A snare works in the same way. The more you move, the tighter the snare becomes. Addiction is, and a sin are like what is described in verse 3, 4, and 5. They are merciless, brutal, overwhelming, and always, always ready to sweep us like raging water of a flood. And we as sinners are always vulnerable. We are not capable for defending ourselves. We need somebody else to stand in our place and defend us against forces that are much stronger than us. We can ask the same question that Dave, David asked. If Jesus Christ had not been on our side, then we would have been engulfed by the waters of sin and addictions. If Jesus had not overcome the power of the death, then the power of death would have swallowed us, swallowed us alive. If Jesus had not come alongside of us, then our situation would have been hopeless. If the gospel of Jesus Christ had not been preached to me, then I would be lost in my sins. It is the mere grace by God that we are still sitting here among our brothers and sisters in this church. This leads to the second point. Our help from the Almighty Father. As I mentioned earlier, both historical and geographical circumstances made harder for the people of Israel to be free from the foreign influence. They were surrounded by the powerful nations, as I said, and those nations did not serve the Lord. The threat of enemies and powerlessness of Israel made themselves highly dependent on someone. Sometimes, the Israel people, they were dependent on other nations. They tried to solve their problems through diplomatic manners. Sometimes they compromised by worshiping other gods of other nations. But that didn't help at all. Again, it's like the fowler's snare. You try to get away from one trouble by getting into another trouble. It's like you're trying to get rid of ungodly heavy metal music by listening to other ungodly rap music. 
We should know that only true solution, only one true solution that can solve our problem is from God. In Psalm, one, Psalm 20, David says, Now this I know, the Lord gives a victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right, of his right hand. Some trust in chariot, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And in verse 6 of Psalm 124 says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. David is recognizing the, the divine goodness and providence of the Lord. And here's another graphic metaphor. The enemy were like wild animals intending on devouring the people of Israel. And God is the one who protected them and continues to protect us from being torn by our enemy's brutality. It is the Lord that enabled us to break free from Fowler's snare. In the last verse, David gives the thanks to God by his confessing his faith. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And we are going to look at the last verse carefully. In this verse, the author focuses on the two things. First one is that his name, the Lord. The other is that he created heaven and earth. These two things remind us of God's faithfulness and goodness, and let me explain why. First, he, his name is the Lord. The name the Lord, or some says Yahweh, or Jehovah, means I am who I am. In Samuel chapter 15, 29, it says, Also the glory of Israel will not lie or, lie or change his mind, for he is not man that he should change his mind. What does that mean? But it means, unlike man, the Lord is constant and faithful. The Lord is dependable, whereas man is not trustworthy. As Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Although it is the man who always revolt against God, the Lord has been always faithful and gracious. He's delaying his judgment, waiting for the sinners to repent because he's faithful. He's been giving rain and sunlight to both wicked and righteous. The earth has been revolving and we've been having four beautiful seasons each year continuously because the Lord kept the promise. The meaning of the Lord, the name Yahweh or Jehovah also contains his mercy on his covenant people. The name, the Lord, stands for his covenant faithfulness. He made a promise to his covenant people that he would be their God and we be his people. 
When the people of Israel were delivered from the bond of slavery, they were delivered not because of their merit, but because God was faithful to his promise. Israel was considered as the firstborn. And the people of Israel had already experienced that their heavenly father was watching over them all times. And they knew that God was their heavenly father as they were being firstborn. They knew that God will protect him and watch over him all the time. The second thing we are going to look at, that he is the maker of heaven and earth. When you make or build something, you become the owner. You are in control of everything. It is the same with God. God built everything, you and me, even this building. God created everything in heaven and everything on earth. The fact is that God is our creator. It means that we have every reason to praise him. God created heavens and earth. It also means that God is a powerful God. Most of us heard Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. You probably heard thousands of times. But we, we may take it for granted, but if you think about it seriously, this is an incredible fact. Who can create, create things out of nothing? Who can create all things that are in the world? Mankind, we cannot. Humans can only create things by using substance that are already existing. Moreover, God created all things in good order and with a perfect design. And sometimes we forget that fact. We are so used to what we have and we take everything for granted, yet it is good to ask ourselves what if a question to remind ourselves of God's goodness. For instance, it might be a stupid question, but let me just ask you, why do our nostrils open downward? Why not upward? Well, that's nonsense, but why? Why did God create our nostrils just like what we have right now? Think about it. But if you think about it more carefully, we cannot help but admire at God's brilliant design of our body. Everyone knows if our nostril opened upward, we would have been a serious problem. We would have a serious problem whenever it rains. The same with, the, with eyebrows. Why are they located above the eyes? Well, it's obvious. But again, when it rains, it protects your eyes. Same with everything, your arms, fingers, feet. And imagine that the Lord knows the exact number that are on the heads of each of the 7.4 billion people on this earth. The author, David, praises God for his marvelous work in Psalm 139. He said, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. If you have a chance after this worship service, if you have a brother's little child, just look at them. It's very amazing. And it's very comforting to know that such merciful and mighty God is our Father. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The Almighty and faithful Lord who created heaven and earth is our Father. And He promised us to take care of of us. And that is why we can come to church and worship Him and confess our faith with Psalm 124. I would like to end this sermon with the confession of Apostle Paul in Romans 8. What then shall we say these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Amen.